Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to see you on this uh, kind of a dreary day out there. Feels like fall, finally. Feels good in here. And the heat doesn't work. In fact, we have no heat in here at this time. So some of you will love that and some of you won't. Uh, The uh, new unit has been ordered. And so hopefully it will get here before we have some real cold. But I'm glad that you are here. And uh, it is good for us to be together. Well, I want to ask you a question this morning. When was the last time you climbed a tree? Think about that for a minute. Okay, sounds like some of you have done this pretty recently. Uh, Trey's got his hand up. It was probably like yesterday, right, Trey? Um, And it has been a while for me. But uh, what kind of a tree was it? Think back to when you last climbed a tree. Some of you may have to go way back in your memory. And do you remember what kind of tree it was? Was it short? Was it tall? Was it real bushy? Uh, What kind of a tree was it? And how did you feel when you made it to the top? Or maybe you didn't make it to the top. Maybe you decided you didn't want to go that far. Well, I used to love climbing trees. We had a bunch of them in my front yard, and I would always shimmy up one and um, try to get to the top. And uh, it was always nice to have the view that was up there, kind of like when you get on your roof and you look around and you can see what's going on in other people's yards and, and neighbors that have hidden things in their backyard. You can see all kinds of things, but also just the feeling of accomplishment. And so I've always loved to do that. Until the time my brother pushed me out of a really tall one in Colorado. And he said it was just an accident, but I don't believe that. Uh, I remember seeing his hands go like this. And then I remember laying flat on my back. And just the pain that was uh, a part of that experience. Well, this morning in our gospel text, we heard about a guy who climbed a tree. And we heard about what it was like for him. And the rest, they say, is history. A history that has a lot to do with us. Right here this morning. Right here in the present. And will be with us in our future. I mean, Zacchaeus probably had no idea. I'm sure he had no idea that this story would continue to be told. That we would remember him because he climbed a tree. And we often focus on Zacchaeus climbing that sycamore tree when we read or when we hear or when we teach this gospel account. The name Zacchaeus may bring to mind a flannel graph from Sunday school. Anybody remember flannel graphs? Okay. A patched together reenactment from vacation Bible school or the song about a wee little man. I, I Don't know why Bill did not list that one for us this morning. Uh, Wee little man was he. Can we even say that anymore? That somebody's a wee little man? Or maybe we remember a sycamore tree from our neighborhood. And every time we saw that tree, we thought about Zacchaeus. Well, focusing in on Zacchaeus's climb is helpful. And I've preached that sermon many times about what it was like for him to go up into the tree and how he was pursuing Jesus and and all of that, all the efforts um, that he was making. 
But what stood out to me the most as I read this account this past week was what Jesus was doing. Have you ever thought about that? While Zacchaeus is making efforts to see Jesus coming through town, Jesus is doing the same to see Zacchaeus. He is making efforts. He is pursuing Zacchaeus. Think about it for a moment. Jesus was drawing crowds everywhere He went as people were finding great hope in His impactful teaching. I mean, just think about that. To be with Jesus back then and hearing His voice, hearing Him teach, hearing Him say things to you, things that resonated deeply within your own heart, but also finding hope in His demonstrated love, in His radical inclusivity, in His miraculous healing, and finding hope in His liberating vision, not only for your life, but for the world. Like today's pop stars, famous actors, and royalty swarmed by paparazzi, Jesus could barely walk through a crowd. And we get the sense from Luke that this was happening the day that Jesus went into Jericho. People were hearing all about Him and they were coming to where He was. And instead of running the other direction or having His disciples exert crowd control, Jesus entered the crowd. As He did so, a wee little man in a tree caught His eye. Jesus noticed Him. I mean, with all these other people that were all around Him and so much that was going on, Jesus noticed this guy up there in a tree. Seeing Him among the group of faces. Seeing a crooked man in a crooked tree. Seeing someone unloved by the crowds as well as by himself. Seeing the lost potential of one who had sold his soul to reap the benefits of selling out his people by colluding with the Roman Empire. Seeing his efforts to seek something new for himself. He saw him with the eyes of eternal love, though. He then Uh, Are you okay back there? Okay. It's not ever good when you fall, right? Even when you're young. He saw Him with the eyes of eternal love. And then He walked through the crowd to see Zacchaeus, uh, this tree that He had climbed, wanting to get close to Him. Not to get away from Him like I would do. I would just try to go the other direction. But Jesus wants to get close to Zacchaeus. And once he did so, he called out to Zacchaeus. He said, hurry and come down, Zacchaeus. I see you in the tree, but come down here, for I must stay at your house today. I'm going to your house. Yes, that's right. I'm going to be with you. And imagine all the busybody religious joy kills. And have you ever known any of those? Look like they've been sucking lemons, right? I mean, just uh, bitter faces and bitter words and bitter attitudes. I've been around some of these. And just imagine what they were saying and what they were thinking when they heard Jesus say that to the richest, most traitorous and hated man in town. Jesus obviously didn't care what they would say. 
And he didn't care what they would think. The now late Frederick Beekner, just died a few months ago, described Zacchaeus in this way. He's a sawed-off little social disaster with a big bank account and a crooked job. But Jesus welcomes him aboard anyway. Jesus understood His purpose. And His purpose, as He said at the end of our reading today, was to seek and to save the lost. He says, that's why I'm here. That's what I signed up to do. That's what God sent me into the world to do. To seek and to save the lost. So Jesus hung out with him, impacting him so much that the crooked man straightened up with repentance. To the point that Jesus would say to him, Today, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house. All because Jesus had pursued him. The poem, Hound of Heaven, which uh, was written by Francis Thompson, uh, describes how God pursued his soul like a, a hound pursues its prey. C.S. Lewis, and we often attribute that phrase, the hound of heaven, to C.S. Lewis, but he was no doubt influenced by this poem and identified God's pursuit of his soul in a similar way. J.F. O'Connor commented on Thompson's poem, writing, As the hound follows the hare, never ceasing in its running, ever drawing nearer in the chase, with unhurrying and imperturbed pace, so God does follow the fleeing soul by His divine grace. And though in sin or in human love, away from God, it seeks to hide itself. Divine grace follows after, unwearingly follows ever after, till the soul feels its pressure, forcing it to turn to Him alone in that never-ending pursuit. And this was something that Thompson felt in his own life. That God was pursuing him, even though he knew he was a sinner, even though he knew he was going in the wrong direction. And, and for C.S. Lewis, he had nothing. He, had, he wanted nothing to do with this Jesus. But God continued to send Jesus into his life to pursue him. In the same way, Jesus pursues us when we are crooked and when we are lost. And we are all that way at different times in our lives, are we not? He reveals God's love and endless pursuit of that which is lost. What does it mean to you this morning to know that Jesus sees you? Even among all the people in the world, to know that Jesus sees you. That you have caught His eye today. He sees who you are. Who you've become. And the person that God created you to be. He knows the distance between those points. And still pursues you. Wanting to get close to you. Coming into your life and even to your home. You could even say that He would rather be with you when you are crooked than with all the super religious types who think they are perfect, who look down their noses upon you. 
He doesn't pursue you just to put another notch in His salvation belt. He comes close to you because you matter to God. You are loved by God. You are worth spending time with. And that can happen for us in many ways. Like this morning in the sacrament of Holy Communion, as we receive the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation, we recognize the presence of Christ with us. Jesus will also come close to you tomorrow at work. That's right, at work. Jesus will show up at work, at school, in the line at the grocery store, and even at the doctor's office. When we welcome Him into our home and life like Zacchaeus, we can't help but be transformed. The deeds we've done and left undone are apparent to Jesus, and we recognize what they are keeping us from becoming. That nothing is as important to us anymore except the grace that we've experienced when we are with Jesus. And that grace compels us to now not only hang out with Jesus wherever He goes, but to share it with other people. To not just keep it to ourselves, but to tell others about it. To show others this wonderful grace that God has given to us in Christ. And to know what it is like to have that love. And to hear those words from Jesus. Today, salvation has come to this house. The song that we sang this morning, No, Not One. And by the way, that's an earworm and it's going to stay with you all week. And that's a good thing. As we hear those words, Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. I think Zacchaeus could have written that song. And it can be our song as well. Amen. Amen.